This episode of the Smoke Pit brought to you by the Nut Ruck by Arbor Arms. A tactical fanny pack for your nuts and your butts. Check them out at arborarms.com. Tell them the Smoke Pit sent you. Wah, 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 wah. Also check out combathomeover.com. Pomades and beard oils for your face and your hair. Use our discount code SMOKEPIT to save yourself some money at combathomeover.com. Welcome to the Smoke Pit. Yeah, you can you can stuff that shit. I got fun facts to talk about. <laughs> okay. Look, though, I'm happy to be back. Don't get me wrong. I just got some stuff I want to talk about. Well, sir, you said fun facts. I am clearly lacking fun facts right now, so deliver. You look like you are, because you, I know you just got back from a long drive, and you looked poopy, and so I want to tell you about Stand By Me, right? Yeah. So there's this movie. Uh, it's, it was the 80s or 90s. I think it was the 80s. It's supposed to be a feel-good movie about a bunch of kids coming together and like- Yeah, the, the, the classic coming-of-age story, right? Right, and then they crap on it right there at the end when the kid who was like the hard luck kid whose daddy beat him and drank too much. Yeah. Like he makes something of his life and becomes a like a highfalutin lawyer that like takes care of the little guy. Yeah. And then he gets stabbed in McDonald's and dies. Oh, that's not a fun fact at all. Why that, would you do this? That part's not the fun fact. The fun, fun fact is the reality of it, right? Okay. So at some point, the cast and crew go to a renaissance fair that's in the, in the area they were filming because they were trying to like blow off some steam right or whatever. Okay, that's fair. And so they got a bunch of 11-year-old kids as actors, and they were like, hey, let's go get some cookies. So they went and bought some cookies. Apparently, they're unfamiliar with how Renfair works. <laughs> <laughs> Renfair, that, that stands for uh, Renaissance Fair. It does. Okay. It does. So these cookies were pot cookies. What? So two hours later, the kid uh, that plays Vern, yeah. two hours later, they found him in the middle of a park, rolled into a ball, high off of his nuts. No fucking way, man. A hundred percent. Sources. Uh, the internet. <laughs> okay, like, it wasn't something you just saw on, like, someone's Twitter. Like, Hey, hey man, TikTok is a wealth of knowledge. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Did they at least look like a reputable TikToker? Uh, I don't know what the fuck a reputable TikTok is supposed to look like. Did you look at them and you're like, ah, yes, production value. Yeah, I, I saw the, the green screen app that she was using and was like, yeah, that's 100% accurate. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, have you discovered any other random movie w- trivia facts? I, w- I wouldn't have interrupted you with such violence if I didn't have more to give you. Okay, so apparently- oh, there's more. <laughs> there's a lot more. Okay, so apparently Robert Downey Jr., when he was filming all the Marvel movies as Iron Man- Yeah. Apparently, every time he eats on on screen, like eats, drinks, booze, whatever he's doing, whenever he's putting something in his face, that's not in his script. That's just something Robert Downey Jr. wanted to do. What? And they couldn't stop him from doing it. Like, yeah, because he like almost single handedly brought like the Marvel universe into a multi billion dollar film industry. Like, no, I don't mean it's something they couldn't stop him from doing. Is and they were like, stop it, Robert Downey, and that was it. They literally hired people to find and get rid of his snacks. <laughs> And that makes the scene and an Iron Man one where he just plops down with a bag of like Burger King yeah. and starts horfing a burger in the middle of a fucking press conference so much better. Oh, that is hilarious! They hired somebody to be like, "No, rapper John Jr. You can't have the snacks," and he was like, "Fuck you! I'm gonna eat my snacks." Okay, so was it just snacks or it was like pizza and burgers and wings and whiskey and whiskey whiskey. You're not supposed to really drink on the set. You're not. They're supposed to use something else because whiskey will mess with your... If you drink too much, it'll mess with your vocal cords. You're not processing sound. Well, I have a fun fact for you. Hit me with your fun fact. And it, it, uh, to be fair... To be fair... It, it's actually a, a fun fact that you taught me. Uh, the guy who voices um, the majority of the characters for Rick and Morty, whenever Rick is uh, drunk in the TV show, he's actually drunk in real life. <laughs> like he wanted to really get into character. That's that's method acting. 
Well, I gotta say, like, if I was the guy voicing Rick and Morty, like, if I was the one coming up with the, the, the psychological concept of Rick and Morty, either you were drunk or stoned when you did it, or you have to be drunk and stoned to make it make it make it make sense to you. <laughs> yeah. So, do you think he was he was doing that just to get into character, or do you think he's just cheeky and yes? <laughs> and we're like, well, it's not cocaine, so yes, let him have the Pringles. Hey, I just saw this thing earlier, and it said, uh, it said uh, life is about relativity, right? Like re- everything's relative. Yeah. So when you think about eating cheesecake, and you're like, no, I can't have that; it'll make me fat. Well, maybe, but it's not crystal meth. So go get another slice. Fuck it. That is fair. I've been uh, I've been trying to log my calories and stuff, but they just released the new Travis Scott burger at McDonald's, and so I'm like 300 calories over budget today. I'm sorry. The fucking what now? So, you know, uh, Travis Scott, the guy who did Goosebumps and uh, Sicko Mode? Oh, yeah. Yeah, apparently when he was growing up, like, he was really into, like, McDonald's, and he would kind of, like, go in there, and I guess he, like, he knew the people, so he would kind of get, like, his own specialty burger every time he made. Well, when you become one of the most populous art- popular artists in the world, you can be like, hey, McDonald's, how about you make that shit real? And they're like, I ate. And so, <laughs> I mean, it was I- really just uh, a quarter pounder. With two slices of cheese and three strips of bacon and uh, barbecue sauce on the side and a Sprite for like, like I think the, the sandwich is like six bucks and then like another dollar or two for the fries and drink. It was, it was pretty decent. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Yeah, because like McDonald's isn't like, in my opinion, I personally think that Arby's is fantastic. If you haven't been there in a while, correct yourself. Hey, I got actually, uh, here's a fun fact about Arby's. There's one in Atlanta that's selling meat. Like Arby's has the meats, they're selling meat in a bag. You it's like buy, a butcher shop. Yeah, you could buy one of their three signature meats, half pound for five bucks, a uh, whole pound for nine bucks. That's amazing. Like they have uh, really good sandwiches, and their fries are easily in my top three. I would say like Checkers, um, Chick Fil A, and Arby's. Those those are like my top three fries. What about you? Uh, I think we covered this once before, but I definitely say Rallies is my number one. Yeah. Rallies is Checkers is the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Rallies, then Arby's, then Chick Fil A. Yeah, the, I the, like those, the crinkle, I like those waffle cut fries. Well, it's not only that, but then the ketchup packet that they give you that you can like open or tear to like pour. Yeah. Like that is brilliant. So like I'll, yeah. I'll give it to them for that. Yeah, that, that's the one thing that always pisses me off about McDonald's nuggets. Is they give you those sauce packets? I got. Yeah. They have the spicy nuggets right now, and they have the spicy nugget sauce. So it's like heat on heat on heat, but the spicy nugget sauce is like really the viscosity is low, so it like just kind of jiggles around. I'm like, how am I supposed to eat this <laughs> when I'm driving seventy down the back road? Yeah. So like McDonald's has always been more of a, a restaurant of convenience for me. <laughs> like they always happen to be like closest to the uh, on ramp or off ramp that I need to take for whatever. Uh, adventure I am currently on so um, yeah it's 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 more so like either breakfast or it's just convenience is usually why I went but to their credit they did a good job with their marketing and as I am a lover of uh, memes and social media I was like I want to see what the fuss is about and it was pretty decent I'll say for me like I'm, I'm trying to eat healthier I know you are you lost like 35 freaking pounds and so I'm trying to catch up and and, uh, and make sure well I'm trying to make sure you don't catch up to me but uh, like I will still go to McDonald's. I don't. I can't really eat the food that much. But McDonald's does have the best. Uh, like if I had to drive through in the morning, they have the best coffee options available. Yeah, I, I get that. And so, um, a little bit of a, a detour. I, I didn't mean to uh, distract. Do you have any more uh, random uh, movie facts before we get into I, the episode? I do have some more, more random movie facts. So, <clears throat> apparently, Bill Murray signed on to do the movie Garfield without actually reading any of the script. 
Wow. He he just he missed he misidentified who the writer was and thought it was somebody <laughs> else. I was like, fuck yeah, I'll do it. And then he was like, well, shit. And that's why in the movie, uh, what is it? Um, Zombieland. Zombieland. That's yeah. It. In Zombieland, where where uh, Emma yeah, Stone's like, yeah. do you have any regrets? And he goes, Garfield, maybe. Like knowing what I know now, <laughs> that makes that scene so much better. A huge punch in the dick for that writer. Right, and it's like Bill Murray is a real good dude. Like he's like Tom Hanks. He's he's like salt of the earth. Yeah. His his son, his firstborn eldest son, owns a uh, like a restaurant slash bar, and he goes in there from time to time to just like do shifts as a bartender. That's crazy. So you could be like going in there just to like have a couple drinks with the boys, and then like fucking Bill Murray turns around and is like, "What are you having, lads?" Yeah, and apparently he does a really good job of it. They, they really did, they did an interview of him once, and they, the guy said he goes a mixologist, which is uh, not to be controversial. I think that's a dumb name. Like we yeah. gotta come up with a better name. But he goes a mixologist just knows how to make drinks. A bartender knows how to make you feel like you're at home. Uh. And he's like, this dude is a bartender, right? Like he can mix a drink, but he can make you feel special. Yeah, I, I could see that. He's one of the the most uh, legendary comedians of all time so not only that but there's a there's an interview they did where they were like uh he, they were like he i guess he was looking tired at the end of a shift yeah and they're like what, what did you learn on your first shift I, that must have been bit it they interviewed him because it was his first like official full shift yeah and uh he got done and he's like well the thing i learned is uh you got to make sure your bar back is paying attention what glasses he's handing you and they're like mean mugs the bartender next to him <laughs> some guy who's making like 15 bucks an hour <laughs> he's like crapping on this dude this dude's who's probably top of his game anyway because it's like a fancy swanky new york club oh okay yeah and so he's just like crapping on him but like you know after the fact he was like i love you bill murray <laughs> thank you for crapping on me which is funny because um uh i i thought that bill murray lived in uh charleston because you uh yeah, you, you see a lot of things like on the chive and, and whatever else of people like running into him or like he'll go to like random like local musician concerts and like buy out a bunch of the tickets and then just like go out and like hand them to people and to like to like promote local musicians and stuff. Well, I'll tell you. And the reason I saw that bartender story is I was trying to find this one. I haven't located it yet, but I seem to remember in the back of my my uh, age adult mind. There's a story of it was Bill Murray and the RZA. And I don't think they showed up together, but they were there. And both of them looked at each other and they're like, you know what we need to do? Serve shots. <laughs> That's an interesting combination. And so they didn't even ask. They just went behind the bar. They dropped a bunch of cash on the bartender. and was like, hey, we got this. And just started pouring shots for everybody. Wow. That is what a night that would be, you know? That's the that's the kind of wealth that I want to have is that I can walk into a bar, drop a bunch of cash and be like, look, I just want to pour shots for everybody for free. And they'll be like, OK, cool. Because um, if I if I am uh, correct, uh, the the RZA and Bill Murray aren't exactly from the same spheres and demographics. I, I think their their general their target demographic audience is maybe not like the Venn diagram. Yeah. The connection wouldn't necessarily be. But I mean, come on, everybody can appreciate Ghostbusters. Okay, it was New York, right? Dude, the that whole, is the that whole is. purpose of Ghostbusters <laughs> is everybody's in this together. Yeah, which is uh, actually a perfect segue to uh, something that I wanted to talk about. If uh, if if that's all, if you have any more fun facts, brother man, I'm I'm a Jeopardy contestant from the day I was born to the day I die. I will never <laughs> run out of facts, so I'll just let you go ahead anyway. So uh, we've we've spent the last few episodes talking about uh, you know various like dream scenarios, right? And so I've gotten a lot of feedback from that. And one of the things that I w- was discussing with you know some of the people who reached out to me is. Say you had to go on some like uh, universe saving mission, right? There, there's some um, you know extremely powerful or ad, uh, ambitious baddie out there that you know wants to you know destroy the universe or 
whatever the case is, and you have to like assemble a team of like three to five people to be like part of the squad, you know, to go with you, like who would you take? And the the parameters of that is basically like we can kind of limit it to just like fictional characters just so that way we don't have to get bogged down in the morality of it too much. Only fictional characters? Yeah, sure. Let's 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 go with uh, fictional characters. And so one of the points that we discussed though is like, yeah, you could say like, uh, yeah, I want uh, you know Superman Prime, One Million, Doctor Manhattan, and the one uh, above all, you know, just like the most like the um, the uh, omnipresent and um, uh, omnipotent, omnipotent uh, characters. And it's like for all intents and purposes, like you're gonna win, right? But see, the thing is, is not just to guarantee success; it's about the journey along the way. And that's that's one of the things we also discussed about that is the fact that if you look, if you look far enough back, like yet yeah, there was a crisis on Infinite Earths, which was supposed to collapse a lot of the multiverse crap and make the continuity of the comics a lot easier to follow. Yeah, but we're not limited to just Marvel or comics or video games. Just like correct, whoever you want. And I, I'm going to definitely get into that that whole mindset. But uh, for me, the, one of the things that gets me is that like, and we were talking about this is if you go far enough back in the comics, there's like. The, if you top rank the most powerful comic book uh, villains or heroes or whoever, yeah, the first like fifty of them all include somewhere in their fucking bio, omnipotent or nigh omnipotent, and it's like, yeah, okay, if you're all omnipotent, really, really, well, I guess I would kind of uh, make that akin to like uh, Mount Fuji and Kilimanjaro, like they're both masters of their imme- uh, immediate domain. But yet they cannot impede in one another. They just exist within their own spheres. And you they know? both get pooped on by uh, tourists. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, Japan is such a, a clean culture. I'd, I'd, I'd imagine it has to be like drunk sailors or Marines that that's, are pooping on. That's why, said, that's why I said tourists. <laughs> so uh, who are you taking then? Who Who's on your team? Okay. So first I'm going to say that I'm going to go ahead and blow off entirely the thing you just said and my first pick is gonna be dr manhattan oh okay but listen it's not because of his omnipotence and he's yeah practically omnipotent because he can grow in size and have a big giant dong yeah there was a point where like during it was the evolution of both the comics and the story dong just kept getting bigger and this thing well i mean if you could do it you would do it (laughs) but at the same time like both the the evolution of the comics and the story and like in the time it was written like originally when Dr. Manhattan became Dr. Manhattan, yeah. the government gave him that name to give the like the uh, allusion to the Manhattan Project, yeah. but they also gave him a costume to wear. And the more he became disillusioned with the per- with the existence of humanity and the government generally, he like started shedding more and more clothes until he was like, bitch, I'm just going to walk around naked unless I have like an official appearance. That That is relatable because although I've never been an omnipresent and omnipotent superpower uh, allied with the most powerful um, entities in the cosmos, I was an agent of the government. And there was one time I was in Iraq and the heat index was 148. So it was like 130 whatever plus humidity. The It's just really fucking hot. And I remember I had a bit of a meltdown. And so we, uh, I was leading this patrol. We took a compound and I set security and I went to the the very top of this like little villa right on the, um, the edge of the Euphrates river in Iraq. And I took all my clothes off except for my boots and boot pants because you know, who needs that trouble? But I dropped my pants to my ankles, silkies and everything. And I was just standing in this big bay window, completely naked where the only breeze in Iraq was at that time, completely butt naked, like arms spread. (laughs) 
like full fucking uh, Ventruvian man style. See, this wasn't even the first time this happened, either for Dan or for our unit. Like, I was SOG one night, and I go up on the I go up on post, and one of the Marines is up there. He is he's wearing his PPE, but other than that, he is buck ass naked. And I looked at him. That was our Ohio friend, wasn't it? Yes, it was. <laughs> and I looked at him. I was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And before I got the word "are doing" out of his out of my mouth, he was like, "Hey, I'm wearing the PPE. The post orders say wear your PPE. The post orders do not say I have to wear pants." And I was like, "That's fair, bitch. That's part of the PPE." <laughs> and he goes, "Show it to me on paper, and I'll do it." And I was like, "Ha ha! Foiled again." Which is hilarious, considering uh, you know the usually the rules and regulations that guide your entire existence as far as uh, rules of engagement and what you can and can't do and stuff like that are usually scribbled on a right in the rain <laughs> notebook and like tacked up to the the post wall along with your uh, sector of fire and your azimuth and your uh <laughs> bro. I have I have a picture of mine from uh, one of our posts in Afghanistan. Yeah, and. It was one of those ones where I was like, if I don't write this, if I don't write stuff, A, the Lance Corporals will go completely native. Yeah. And B. Instructions unclear. Dick got caught in the 240. Yeah. And as if that doesn't happen. And then I knew that my command would show up at some point and lose their minds. I didn't want to look like children or was it uh, like Lord of the Flies out there. Yeah. So I have a picture and you can see in the background, like I posted the camp rules. Yeah. And I had someone put an engineering stake in the ground. It's like on a giant piece of cardboard. And one of my Marines goes, but Sergeant, what happens when it rains? I was like, bitch, you see some rain? Come over here and stand over the post. Like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so the the point being is that um, uh, being able to somewhat relate to Dr. Manhattan, when uh, you kind of start to ponder what's really important in life, you, be, you, you realize that pants are not among that list. <laughs> I mean, you have all, if you're all powerful and you decide pants are an unnecessary luxury, like, fuck it. But no, yeah, so as a 21-year-old in charge of a patrol in Iraq with the full might of the U.S. military behind me, as the patrol leader, I was essentially the most powerful person in that city. So, again, pants are not needed if you have power. Let that be the takeaway today. <laughs> okay, well, I, I mean, yes, <laughs> but I didn't pick Dr. Manhattan because he doesn't wear pants. I picked well, him because... Color me surprised. Because, A, Vietnam veteran. Okay. B... He told the government to go fuck themselves, and that's yeah. why he didn't wear pants, which is relatable. Very. And, <laughs> right? And he's a scientist. Okay. Right? He he got zapped into a blue, uh, basically, god creature because of science. All right. So who's your... Uh, you, you better have something solid for your number two and three and so on. Oh, my number two and three are also very good. So number two is Doctor Strange. You're, you're going to see a pattern here in a second. Someone right? who can also uh, enhance the size of his penis. I mean, allegedly, he he is. <laughs> you tell me, Doctor Strange couldn't do a little whizzy portal portal thing, and like, I'm just saying, he is. He is the world's most, or the cosmos's most mighty magician. Yeah. Right. So he's the most mighty magician in the cosmos. That's great. You have all this magical power. Yeah. Boy brings the heat, right? Oh, in the movie, you remember how he was so particular about how good his hands were? Maybe because that's he's just really good at fingering because he had to compensate for a small wiener, and then once he got magic. And his hands didn't work anymore. He's like, all right, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Now I have a big peener. I mean, there's that. <laughs> but also, he's a trauma doctor. That's fair. So you have your team medic right there. I've got my team medic and the most powerful sorcerer in the galaxy. Yeah. Or in the cosmos, whatever we're calling the cosmos. So there, there's my number two right there. All right. Plus, 
he's he's spicy and i like having a couple of spicy like dr manhattan's kind of aloof yeah right you need you need that the ego right he's got that marine corps fucking ego on him which i like okay he was a marine then in vietnam no i'm saying like dr manhattan's the vietnam vet yeah yeah. but yeah. he's he's kind of got that aloofness right? i got you like, i got you he barely gives two shits okay so who's number three then number three is reed richards again with the giant penis again with the doctors <laughs> right i'm now reed richards army army scientist okay so he worked for the government building all kinds of stuff he gets this he gets the superpower of being able to stretch himself you know whatever size he wants yes. that's everything and all of him right but also he's a doctor and the smartest man in the universe fair right so now i've got the smartest man in the universe i've got the mightiest magician in the universe who is also a trauma doctor yeah and i've got a guy who's a physicist who's practically omnipotent right and it's not just his omnipotence yeah he, he can be destroyed okay right he could be Os- osmondius destroys him yeah and that's not the only time that happens but he could almost immediately put himself back together and that's dr manhattan right that's dr manhattan yeah um i i remember there was a, a recent crossover where they pitted uh, superman versus dr manhattan and you would think that Superman punching him in the face wouldn't work, but apparently it does. Does it? It just kills him like he's done forever. No, 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 no. It, it kind of ends in like a stalemate, which is what happens with a lot of crossovers. You know, it has to because you got yeah. you got Superman, who's the embodiment of the American dream, which is probably why he said fuck it and decided to. Si-. He saw yeah. twenty twenty and was like, fuck it, I'll just sit in the sun for a thousand years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he outlives everybody he loves, and then he's just like, fuck it, I'm gonna go eat my sad boy burritos in the sun for a thousand years, become. Uh, uh, basically a demigod and then create my own universe with like a bunch of uh thick lowest lanes i like the idea that at some point someone said what do you mean you can't go to the sun like just go at night you stupid fuck <laughs> <laughs> like i thought that stupid ass tweet in my head yeah when you said sadness burritos because i was thinking about superman sitting on his sun couch tucking him underneath yeah <laughs> so anyone else for your team or does that about round it out that mostly rounds it out, but I'm also going to take uh, Captain Malcolm Reynolds from uh, from uh, uh, Firefly. Captain Tight Pants, right? Got to have Captain. Ma- Got to have Mal, yeah. right? Because you need you need the the roguishness, yeah. Because that's how you come up with unconventional shit that all those doctors aren't going to think of, yeah. And then I'm taking Star Lord. Got to have the DJ. I mean, it's not just comic relief, but the real mixologist, right? He comes in with the music. He comes. What do you, what no, do you I'm, I'm I'm pointing at that perfect smoke circle, right there. <laughs> like, no, no, look at my finger. No, I see it. I see it. No, this way, this way. Like, I'm almost touching it. It's kind of dissipated now, but now. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, he's the real mixologist. So you got you got yeah. So you got comic relief and a DJ and Star Lord, right? Yeah. Plus the leather ja- the leather jacket's pretty cool, right? It makes sense. But I want to take I want original Star Lord, right? When when Chris Pratt had a six pack, yeah, not like pudgy Star Lord <laughs> when he like when he's part of a family. So now he's eating better and not, like, not taking care of himself. Right on. Uh, anyone else? <sighs> Master Chief from Halo. Is his penis appropriately sized to his nine foot frame? I'm assuming that if they were going to put all those augmentations into him, that they're yeah. going to augment that as well. But do you think they would make him like a eunuch because uh, that would make him more mission focused? No, because making him a eunuch would take away all that testosterone that would fuel the anger inside. <laughs> like, do you imagine how much work it takes to get out of that suit to have sex? 
Yeah, well, that that makes sense. That's a the Molnir suit is a three layer fucking outfit. It requires yeah. like machinery to remove. Yeah, like in fucking uh, Iron Man, where right he <laughs> he's like, in there. Let's be honest, this isn't the worst thing you've caught me doing. <laughs> the, the, I want a separate comic that just like answers that question. What is the worst thing she's ever caught you doing? Oh, that would be amazing. So, I um, I put a put put a little bit of thought to this. So, I think that for my answer, um. It's a bit more multi-layered because uh, it would be cool to like uh, you know just have like uh, a bunch of eclectic characters that you think would mesh well. But I kind of went with like a theme, right? Yeah, I went with a theme too. Scientists, big peeners. No, you you went with a theme where you figured out that all the scientists I picked would also scientifically give themselves <laughs> big peeners and other people on the team. I, oh, I, I, they would give it to everyone else too. You've thought of this. I'm just saying, like, if you're gonna be a doctor and swoosh, have all this swoosh, power, swoosh. If you're gonna, you, look, you can't be like the only three big penis guys on a six yeah. man team and just be looking at like looking at everybody else and be like, you poor sad shrimp dicked pieces of shit. Yeah, just throw a uh, Harry Potter in there so we can hit him with the Engorgio charm. Engorgio, <laughs> <laughs> fucking ridiculous. So I um. I kind of I kind of layered this as far as like themes, right? Because I I kind of feel like uh, you know the old saying like styles make fights, but also like the uh, the team dynamic is also very important. I'm gonna pause you real quick. Yes. So Toph from the Last Airbender. Yes. She is the only Earthbender that uses a separate fighting style from the other Earthbenders. Well, yeah, that makes sense. I don't remember exactly what it's called. I'm pissed at myself now. I'll look Ask it up. Ask Kikimus. I'll, I'll look it up. But basically, like... An ancient martial arts. Hers is the only one that's based on an actual martial art where you don't have to be able to see your opponent. And the reason she holds her hands the specific way that she does, like yeah. she holds them back, is because once you sense your opponent's location, after that, like after the first strike, you don't have to look at them anymore. That makes sense. Which that- is good for a blind character who, for some reason, never protects her eyes. Or, yeah. No, always protects her eyes despite not needing to. Or creates eye holes in her rock armor. Right? She's got eye holes. Like, she's blind. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, so, I, <laughs> no, absolutely fantastic show. And that um, is kind of uh, leading into, I think, the uh, the team that I think I would pick. Uh, so, I would have also an avatar, but it wouldn't be like little, you know, soy boy Aang that's like, oh, I can't kill people. No. Uh, soy boy. I'm talking about avatar, kill them all, Kiyoshi good pick she has consistently been ranked the most powerful avatar mainly because instead of just trying to like find another way like batman which always ends up you know like a thousand civilians killed or a million you know and over the span of the joker's career she's just like nah you're done son yeah batman won't kill anybody but it'll beat the absolute snot out of people so that all the medical bills in gotham go up exactly i, I, I want to know if if wayne industries owns the hospitals in Gotham. That that would make a lot of sense. I I don't know like what kind of copay the uh, the Joker's cronies have. <laughs> I mean, old boy just trying to move boxes to feed his family. He's not even part of all the evil stuff. <laughs> he's just like I don't know. Like he doesn't deal with the Joker, right? Yeah. Like he's the, he's the CEO of crime. Like you don't. He's not the guy you go to to get the job. Like yeah, that's like when you get frustrated at something and you call some random uh, uh, customer support service person for like a big shipping company and you give them the business, but it's really like the multi-billion-dollar dude who you know created an industry that led to that failure. That's like beating the shit out of the guy driving the Amazon van because you're pissed off at, at Jeff Bezos. Exactly. <laughs> it's like this poor dude is working for like three dollars and a schmeckle an hour. Yeah. And and you're like, let me just give you the business. So I would also pick uh, Magneto because I mean let's let's be honest like 
that that's a pretty dope power to have for all things included, you know? I mean, all things considered, if you consider like the makeup of the of the earth. Yeah. Like plus like spaceships. Like even if you're yeah. doing aliens, like you could just fucking like just whoop and the spaceship pops open. Yeah, and so I would figure that he would be able to teach uh, Avatar Kyoshi how to metal bend. Like I'm sure she would figure it out pretty quickly. Fair point. Fair point. And then I would also pick Wonder Woman because uh, she is actually one of the most slept on uh, heroes in the DC universe. Incredibly strong, and not to mention like having like uh, a very muscular woman is also uh, good for team morale. I okay, so this is a little bit controversial, but the guy who used to write <laughs> Wonder Woman back in the day like came up with a lot of the concepts. Yeah. Like, you you there's an Amazon goddess that lives with other Amazon goddesses, right? And regular yep. Amazons, but you, right, it's a it's a society of women, and for some reason, one of her more important superpowers is bondage. Yeah, that makes sense. Like she hits them with the whip of truth, and they're like, oh, "I'll tell you anything you want to know." Well, I just really I I anticipate that that's going to come up with a yes mistress. <laughs> Which is it's funny because like you 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 preference a lot of your statements and uh and and pre damage control if you will, and uh, there was actually a, a quote from uh, Harry Potter where uh, uh, the the Dursley guy uh, that was like kind of like Harry's like pseudo uncle or whatever he was like I don't mean to be rude he began in a tone that threatened rudeness in every syllable. <laughs> okay, that's different. Like the maliciousness dripped <laughs> like that that man's voice dripped with disdain. All yeah. times, all the, here's the okay. I know this is another aside. I'm, I'm gonna let you finish. I'm, I'm not gonna uh, like keep Kanye in you. I don't understand how anything happened to that boy after the first time he went to wizard school, right? Yeah, in the Harry Potter universe, you basically have a school full of weapons of mass destruction that walk around with free will. So after the first time he goes to wizard school, he comes back like they give him his own bedroom and they're like, oh, well, we allowed you to have a room instead of making you sleep under the stairs. Bitch, Expelliarmus on your fucking pie. Like just just <laughs> knocking food out of people's hands. Like I, I'd be like, OK, well, you can continue to treat me with disrespect and I can blow you up like a fucking nuclear missile. Yeah. So um, though those uh, for, for that team, I will say. There is a common theme, and uh, it is a bit obscure, so I, I won't hold it against you if you didn't pick it up, but could you guess what the theme was? All right, so we're going with Kyoshi and yep. Magneto, Magneto and, and Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. Yes. The theme between the three. Um, it is a theme that we have discussed fairly often on this podcast. Is it leadership? It is. They are all the leader of their people. Look at that. Wow. That now, high IQ. Now, here's the thing. when you when High talk, IQ and a big peener. You're the leader of that team. <laughs> okay, so we talk about leadership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those of you who aren't incredibly familiar with the lore, um, Avatar Kyoshi literally split a continent because she wanted to keep her people safe. Magneto uh, formed uh, uh, Genosha right. uh, to protect the mutants, and Wonder Woman also became the leader of the Amazons. So all of their actions, although they had a responsibility to do the right thing, they had a bigger responsibility to the people of which they were put in charge of. I like it. Yeah, so you, you I also like that I didn't look like an asshole by not figuring it out. Well, I mean, I it is a very obscure theme, and so I, I don't know if you could catch the theme for the next team that I have assembled. It would be Judge Dredd, The Punisher, and Max Payne. Can you guess the theme? Disgruntled cops. Shooting people in the face. What's the difference between what I said? 
Oh my god. <laughs> what is that? What is it? The thing the what is it, the picture of Pam from the office? Yeah. Uh we're gonna corporate needs you to tell me the difference between these two pictures. <laughs> so they're the same picture. But like, how cool would that be to be in a team that never lets the bad guy monologue? Like as soon as like the four of us like bust into the room, the bad guy's like, ah, let me tell you why I did this. Tat 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 tat. See, and that's the thing. I, I that's the thing I always loved about those characters is they're so just disgruntled and pissed off. Like Spawn, I feel would go really well into there too. You son of a bitch! Did did you read my mind? Because I, that's that's part of my next team. Like I, I gotta say, like you you mentioned those three guys, and I was like Spawn. Spawn would also w- work well in it. now. You got to remember, like, uh, what is it? Uh, Frank Miller is that who it was? Yeah, yeah. Frank Frank Miller was big on like killing people in the face. There was a lot of dialogue, right? Like they'd have that calm moment before the fight where they sit there and they'd like, but it wasn't. Let me tell you the reason why I did this. It was accepting the inevitable entropy of the universe. Makes sense. And so they both say some dark, fucking deep. Like my soul is a fucking pit. Uh, Frank Miller pretty standard stuff i am an enigma nobody could possibly fathom the depths of my contemplation right and they both look at each other get exhausted with the other one's emo bullshit and then rat-a-tat-tat to the teeth so that team would be spawn hellboy and deadpool okay that's a pretty fucking awesome team i'm not gonna lie that's pretty dope that's pretty dope and so like that's also the theme like you know deadpool uh, has seen you know some really fucked up shit and Hellboy and Spawn literally come from hell and Deadpool can't ever be sent there so and they're both very serious and like very like uh, brooding characters and so Deadpool would come up like show up to the mystery and, like wearing a tutu and like Spawn would send chains around his head and like pop it off like a fucking cherry but then it just grow right back and he'd be like ah oh, why can't I kill you I think that would be a lot of comic relief I think that'd be a lot of comic relief there's one thing though and I'm not as conversant with Hellboy's back lore. Like, I've seen the movies and stuff. Yeah. But uh, what is Hellboy's healing factor like? Uh, it is an, an accelerated healing factor. So it's not like regeneration, but like given sufficient time. Like, he has a lot of dexterity where he can take a lot of damage. But given sufficient time, he would heal from wounds quicker than I would. Because he's, <laughs> he's mostly like... He's a, he's a, he's a tank, right? More Straight or less, up, yeah. he can just take a beating forever. Yeah. But at the same time, like Deadpool can almost immediately start regenerating. Uh, Spawn just takes bullets to the chest and is like, fuck you, and closes him with hell energy. Yeah, which he only has, like, granted, it's a large pool of this energy, but it is finite. That's true, but, like, unless you're going against an entire, like, platoon of Marines who would clearly waste Spawn, right? Javelins and right. Mark 19s. Because, like, the first... Uh, Marines would MRE know... MRE spoons. Right, and Marines would know who Spawn was. Yeah, because he was a Marine, too. Right, so the first thing they'd do is they'd be like, mad respect, and if Spawn yeah. was like, sorry, I gotta kill you, they'd be like, roger this, and they'd start hucking jalapeno cheese packets at him. Right, in his butthole. He he would have some PTSD, and then he'd be done. <laughs> oh, so. s- speaking of which, just real quick, and again, yeah. this is another one of these asides I'm gonna poke at you. Um... I was having a conversation today and we were talking about, we were telling a non-military member of my team about uh, why you don't throw smoke grenades inside of structures, right? Yeah. Because of the toxic fumes they emit. So my my former Marine- While you are smoking cigarettes. I'm not smoking anything. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm quitting. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, so my former Marine, uh, I guess operations chief, team leader guy, he's telling the story about back in the day in Lejeune- they were at Maltown, they were in this, the sewers, and one of these kids threw uh, an, a high-concentration smoke grenade, right? HD smoke. Yeah. And, like, three people almost died. 
Holy fuck. And the only reason they didn't is because some SOTG guy, uh, special operations training group, happened to just be like in the area above them, smelled the HC smoke, looked down, saw the sewer grate was pouring smoke, yanked the sewer grate off with one hand, reached down in there and like yoinked this dude out and like yeeted him onto the pavement and then got him help. And so he's telling the story, and I'm trying to explain what all the jargon means to the firefighter because yeah. he doesn't know what any of that stuff means. Yeah. And I, I had this moment where I looked at Scott and I went, brother, man, as soon as you started that story with I was in the sewers of Camp Lejeune's Maltown, I started having PTSD. <laughs> I was like, I forgot that for like the last 16 years, and now it is back. Thank you. Yeah, that is a, <laughs> that is a dangerous place to be. Anyway, back to Spawn. Uh, well, I, I pretty much... Uh, uh, Kind of got all the uh, the marrow out of that squeeze that I was trying to get. But speaking of operations, I wonder if you can uh, detect the uh, the common trait between the next three in this team. Send it. 007, Austin Powers, and Sherlock Holmes. Uh, British geniuses. They are. <laughs> because they're, they're all cool, aloof, and... Uh, basically sex magnets. Yes. If you're over there and your main love interest is Lucy Lou, like the boy's got style. He's got pizzazz. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like Austin Powers is obviously, despite his overemphasized stereotyped British character. Yeah. Like the teeth and the nose and all that stuff. And the body hair. Like, and, and the everything. Yeah. Still, it's the 70s. So he gets a, he gets an alley-oop, right? That's a straight layup. Yeah. And then you got James Bond, who, I mean- now, which which James Bond would you say is your favorite? Uh, Timothy Dalton. He does not get a lot of love. He was yeah. he was only Bond like I think once. I think it was from Russia with Love. I might be wrong. Timothy Dalton was the only Bond who had zero fucks to give. Like everyone else, kind of struggles with their morality and like the morality of killing people. And they're like they'll they'll Judy chop anybody who needs a Judy chopping. But man, woman, baby, <laughs> all in the service of uh, you know the the her majesty yeah but timothy dalton was the one that like you looked at his face and he was like please let me murder as many <laughs> people as possible yeah because i i think that would um because like i think game recognizes game and despite his comic relief aspects like uh james bond and austin powers would have a bit of mutual respect especially after like the first dust up you know well i feel like james bond is the inevitable result of of austin powers like that austin powers is the bond of the 70s yeah like that's the bond you get when everybody's on drugs and disco is a thing, right? <laughs> Ever, and after that, when stuff starts getting serious, you have the 80s, everybody's doing coke and getting skinny. You get the 90s, everybody starts getting plastic surgery, and now you got the bond that's, you know, svelte. Now, uh, speaking of, uh, of British uh, protagonists, the next team would be Doctor Who, Doctor Strange, and Hank McCoy. Also all three doctors. Hank McCoy. Yeah, the Beast from X-Men. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, because, like, uh, Doctor Strange and Doctor Who, like, they have all this, like, uh, they had the ability to, like, uh, go places and do things and transport and, like, fix shit. But, like, you can't deny, like, how smart that, you know, Doctor uh, McCoy, the Beast, was. So I kind of like the idea of, uh, like, uh, Doctor Strange seeing the, the, the TARDIS for the first time and then, you know, the classic line, it's bigger on the inside and they open it up and the Beast is just hanging upside down, like solving some conundrum. See, and I, I feel like the, the overarching theme of all of your teams yeah. is, is, uh, big penis. <laughs> like you mentioned Wonder Woman and I think that was kind of like a red herring you chucked out there, but every single one of them was like big well, dick she, energy. Well, she has big dick energy. So like, 
any girl that like actually has like muscles and I'm not talking about like oh you did like two squats with a booty band and now you're like posing like doing the horse pose and so you look really good in that one picture like no like she's an athlete you know she's the athlete oh <laughs> here's a little fun fact that goes along with the theme I found out recently that the word gymnasium yeah comes from the original Greek and it means a place to train naked that sounds so pretty dope so if you're going to the gym fellas or ladies and you're going to lift heavy do it naked because to do it with clothes on is to ruin the full range of motion and the glory of the human body. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I can track with that. Unless you're me and you have anxiety, in which case put on more clothes. <laughs> so not many not many left, but um, I, I did want to dive into this a little bit and then open it up for remarks. See, I didn't even know you had like 18 teams. You were like, construct a team. And I was like, yeah. okay. And then you're like, I have several teams with different themes. Well, I, I knew you were going to do your due diligence, so I just wanted to make it fun. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Add, add, add a little bit of spice. You know? I, do, I do tend to overthink. So the next team would be Indiana Jones, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Laura Croft, and Finn from Adventure Time. I'm sorry, what was the first one? Indiana Jones. Okay. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay. Laura Croft the Tomb Raider. Right. And Finn from Adventure Time. Adventurers. Exactly. I mean, it's in the name right there. But Like, how cool would that be to clear a dungeon with those four? Okay, so I only have one gripe. What's up? Indiana Jones. Yep. This, this is a man who has actual proof that the divine exists yep. and that magic is real. And aliens. And aliens. He is a college professor and teaches for a living. Yeah. And his, his biggest line is always, this belongs in a museum. And then he doesn't tell anybody. He's not like, hey, I brought these magic rocks back from India. No, they got I ate by the, the alligator. He, But all the stuff he brings back from all yeah. of the... All of the uh, Judeo-Christian uh, shit that happens to him, right? He literally watches a bunch of Nazis get their faces melted off, and rightly so. Yeah. And and he does not go back and say, hey, you know, if the Christian mythos is real, and I have evidence of it, I could save a lot of people a lot of time in hell. Yeah, that, that, that's fair. Like, there's a, there's a big theory that if everybody knew for a fact, like it wasn't based on faith, that you'd go to an afterlife. Yeah. If you knew it for a scientific certainty, if I could show it to you and prove it existed. Prove it empirically. Right. Then the suicide rate would go up dramatically. Yeah. And people would lose their fucking minds. But see, that's like, that's the catch all because not just in Christianity, but like there's a lot of religions out there that like trying to end your life to get to the afterlife is the one way to not get to the afterlife. I mean, that's fair. But at the same time, like, do you really think you'd give a shit about your own life? Like at that point, you'd be like, I'm going to... I know exactly you, Daniel Sharp. This yeah. is what you do. You'd say, now I can do all of the crazy lunatic bullshit that I thought might kill me before because I don't want it to kill me, but if it does, who gives a shit? Well, see, like, the thing is, is, like, you, um, if, if you, you prescribe to the idea of an afterlife, which is eternity, which is a concept more than we can fathom, uh, you know, kind of um, just, like, something that is so vast that you can't even comprehend it, and like you think about the sliver of time that you get on this earth and get to experience this plane because you know the afterlife would not be this plane to me that kind of makes it more precious because like this is only a glimpse of eternity and this is the only place that I get to you know hold my girlfriend and share some nachos with her you know well I mean you'd figure any version of heaven would include both your girlfriend and nachos I mean that 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 would be quite heavenly <laughs> I, I mean if, say. if they didn't have the only difference between reality I should say this plane of existence, this very version of reality, yeah, and heaven, would be that 
you get the same girlfriend and you get the same nachos, but the nachos are like a 10 every time you have them. The cheese never makes the chips melt soft and you never gain a pound. But then like, I, I kind of feel like, uh, and <laughs> I, I can't believe I'm about to quote 50 cent, but, uh, he said, you know, um, uh, sunny days wouldn't be so special if it wasn't for rain. So like if everything was always a 10, then nothing's a 10. Everything is also a one. That really kind of gives you a, a thought about spending eternity in heaven, doesn't it? Well, I mean, like I, I, I won't get too much into that, but like the, 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 the aspect of like something is extremely consistent. It is not only the best, but it is also by comparison, the worst thing that's ever happened. Well, here's the thing. And when I say heaven, I'm not strictly speaking Christian sense heaven, but I just don't yeah. know the names for all the other afterlife. Yeah. Plus, cons- I mean, we've, 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 you know, we vocalize our particular faith, but this is the smoke pit and everybody's welcome to, you know, say, uh, say and do what they want as long as they're not hurting people. Right. right. If you're following the giant spaghetti monster and you feel like uh, heaven's going to be you living <laughs> in the core of Jupiter. Hey, knock it out. Jupiter's cores. I hear a pretty cool place like this. There's, it's a giant diamond is yeah. the theory. So but- speaking of heavenly though, um, I will say that just purely for fan service, I think that a really awesome team would be like an 18-year-old and older version of uh, Merida from Brave, uh, Sailor Moon uh, from Sailor Moon, and Diva from Overwatch, because I think all three of them are uh, kind of the bee's knees, if you know what I mean. Okay, so Sailor Moon has, I'm not familiar with that mythos. I know what she looks like. I know that their whole team is like all like based off planets and stuff. Yeah. From whence does her power come? Uh, the cosmos. So she, she has actual powers. Yes. That come from the cosmos. Yeah, she uh, does like a little incantation and she gets like power up armor and she can like. Right, she gets to do the spinny thing where she yeah. turns into pink. She's like got the pink background and she puts on her slut outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Which so, actually covers more than a regular outfit does, so I don't I don't really get the idea of people that like slut shame and stuff because it's like imagine like people get all bent out of shape if somebody posts a picture in bra and panty, but then they don't care if they see a girl in a bikini in the beach. Like that never made sense to me, you know. Well, and here's the thing: I'm not slut shaming. If you want to be a slut, be a slut, right? <laughs> live, live live your life, man. Like if you if you want to go through your hoe phase, go through your hoe phase. <laughs> everybody everybody goes through their hoe phase, even if it's just in your head. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm yeah. just saying, like, it's anime. So you got to expect there's a little bit of the uh, fan service, per se. Yeah, so uh, Diva from Overwatch, uh, Merida for Brave because of the accents and the red hair and, like, the and, very... And the ability to generally kick people in the teeth and be a better archer than all the, all the men. Yeah, right? I mean, that's something that the three of them have in common, well, you know? She, okay, so Merida's got warrior spirit, right? And right? skill to match. Because she spent her upbringing trying to learn how to be skilled. Yeah. All right. Now you've got Sailor Moon who has legitimate powers, right? So training or otherwise. Yeah. And here's the thing. And and just as a general aside, like when it comes to people, like one of the things I, I like, uh, like my list would have also at some point included Tony Stark. And the reason why, A, again, scientist, even if he doesn't have the title. Yeah. But I like I like superheroes who... Yeah. who they earned their powers, right? Maybe not like Reed Richards got it because he got blasted with cosmic rays, but yeah, he, but he also have, studied really hard in college. He wouldn't have been in that situation if he hadn't built the spaceship that took them to go do it, right? Yeah. Like they fucking earned it. Yeah, and I get so, that. So, like, 
I've always, and I'm not, I'm not shitting on on superheroes that have powers just because they do, right? Intrinsically, but at the yeah. same time, it always, it always makes it. I maybe it's more relatable to me, yeah. to have a superhero who was like a normal dude who just fucking tried real hard and then gained superpowers through either accident or intention. But and this brings up my point that I was, I was eventually going to come around to. What exactly is it that Diva has? Well, like, uh, she is just a very good pilot. So in the game, she has a mech suit, and she is a uh, a champion competitor, which is kind of uh, one of the similar themes to that. It's just like the three of them have a very good win record. And if you look at the majority of the people that I listed in my team, like that is also something that's extremely important is like you, you got to get shit done, you know? Well, here's my thing. What was that what? thing you always accused me of, of having to like... Oh, there's a lot of things that I accuse you of. I mean, that thing you accuse me of where I have to, like, preface a statement so that it doesn't come off as bad. Yeah. Which is entirely your fault. I only do that because of you. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, hey, let's start a podcast that hundreds of thousands of people are going to download. Yeah, and then you immediately, like, bring, like you take every statement the worst. <laughs> I think I made, I made one comment one time. No, I'm not going to go back there because that'll just make it worse. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> it was innocuous when I said it then. It would be innocuous if I said it now. Yeah, so um, to go along with my uh, my earlier quote, uh, Dumbledore replied to what Dursley said, but yet sadly, accidental rudeness occurs alarmingly often. <laughs> and so I also wanted to ask you uh, what your three uh, top video games of all time are. And now to preference that, just so that way uh, we, we don't have to get too weeded down into the semantics, will say at the time that they were played and what they meant to you. So not like, you know, like, because obviously, like, GoldenEye was, you know, the shooter of its time, but if you stacked it up now against, you know, Call of Duty, you know, obviously Call of Duty is going to be, you know, leagues above. But at the time, when you first played it or when you played through it again, like, what are your top three video games of all time? Kind of like a um, Ready Player One moment, you know, where, like, ah, oh, this means so much to me. Legend of Zelda is right on the top of the list. Legend of Zelda. There's this... A cup, and I'm not going to pick any particular one, but I will. I will highlight two of the best. Right, the original is the Trendsetter, and I'll tell you why. Right, it's got the 2D graphics. It's a little bit. It's a little bit choky. Um, you go back and play it now, and you're like, this is really not as hard as it was when you were like six, and you're trying to play it, and you're getting your ass beat by Octoroks. Yeah, like the original Ninja Turtle game for NES. Right, like that thing was such an ass kicker, and you go back and play it now, and you're like, just just whooping it with no problem. Yeah, like I'd have to hand it to like. Uh like a, an older friend of the family and be like, can you beat this level for me? Right. You have to go back to your older brother that you fucking hate and be like, I suppose I'll let, I'll be less of a dickhead to you if you could beat this for me. All right. So uh, Legend of Zelda. And if you could kind of summarize, what did it mean to you at the time when you were first playing it? Like, why was it so impactful? There's two different reasons. One is technological. Legend of Zelda, the first Legend of Zelda for NES was the first game that could be saved. It was the first game you could save your progress. It was the first one that had the technology to add, like, uh, a, 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 what do you call it, savable memory, basically. It had a battery pack in it that would allow it to maintain a charge. So, for technology's sake, every time you save your game, you can thank Legend of Zelda. The second reason is, oh, and so you got NES, which is the original, and you got uh, a, link, a Link to the Past, which was a Super Nintendo version. I think people sleep on Zelda 2 because they try to do this RPG, like, fucking, you have to get experience points and level up shit. It is a fucking ass kicker. Like, even if you have save states on an emulator and you can just push a button and it just saves your progress, it will still kick your ass even today. And I think that, that it provides a challenge. It also makes you want to huck your fucking controller through a window. 
That is what your second truly. Uh, more or less. I am way behind. I got one more to go. <laughs> so number two. Okay, hold on. I got to tell you why. Oh, please continue. <laughs> so technology wise, amazing. The the second thing is, and the, I did not know this at the time, but now that I know this, it makes sense to me. The reason the Legend of Zelda got uh, was created in the first place. I don't want to butcher the man's name. You have to Google the creator, but he's the same guy who invented Mario and King Kong or Donkey Kong and all them. He used to investigate and like uh, explore the the region of Japan that he lived in and like they had caves and they had graveyards and then all kinds of crazy shit that he'd just fuck off when he was a kid and go like dig around in and make up all these stories in his head and that's where the that's the basis of where the legend of Zelda comes from and so as a as a kid and I'm showing my age but Dan likes to do that anyway so it's not like I'm giving away trade secrets here I was alive when the first bur- when the first game came out and I was old enough to play it I received it as for a Christmas gift one year <coughs> And so, like, it kind of encapsulated that... And I grew up in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like, I lived in a swamp. So it encapsulated that spirit of, like, exploration and the world was bigger than it it seemed. Yeah, and uh, a a random reptile might come out and uh, and you'd have to do battle with it. Yeah, I'd have to fight an Octorok to save my own life. And that, (laughs) like, you know, uh, fucking Goma would just pop out of a tree and try to eat my face. Right. Goma's the spider boss, by the way. Just Just so we're all clear. Because I, I literally ran into a banana spider when I was a kid that was like, <laughs> the spider was the size of my face and its ne- his web was like the size of like one of the walls of the studio. And that's probably why I have anxiety. Well, I mean, there's probably like a lot of reasons I have anxiety, but that's, that's a pretty good one. And so is that it for Zelda? That's it for Zelda. That's so fun. what do you got for number two? Uh, number two is going to be Halo. And a there's, good choice. There's there's a lot of, again, I, I don't want to point to a specific one and say that's the pinnacle. Yeah. Uh, each one kind of has its own benefits and detractions. Number two is kind of weaker as a game, but it did have a soundtrack from ba- Breaking Benjamin, right? Yeah, that, that is a solid a- attribute. I think when they kind of switch from the assault rifle to the submachine gun, uh, eventually that, that, that ticked me off a little bit, but no, still a solid addition. Right. So that the, the series, and again, this is it's both what it is and what the technolo- technology represents. Halo was like the flagship of the Xbox. I'd never even heard of an Xbox, and my buddy goes, hey, man, you want to play Halo? I'll bring it over. I was like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And he brings over this giant fucking massive brick, and the controller is like the size. It's like trying to hold a watermelon in your hand. Yeah. Right? And I'm like... The original Xbox controller. Right back in yeah. the day. I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? It's like a Frisbee. <laughs> right? And so, and this is just to show off my poorness for street cred. Um, so I lived in my, I had an apartment uh, right out of high school because I got booted out of my house. And my friends who were still like going to school would pop over at the end of the day because I was the only per- per- person that had my own place. And at some point, one of my idiot friends had broken the back glass door to my apartment. So when the heat didn't work, because all we had was like one radiator that was plug in that was in my bedroom. Like, the entire rest of the apartment is, like, five degrees in the winter. Yeah. So we would play Halo with the LAN party, right? So you'd have a TV in one room with four people playing and a TV in the other room with four people playing. And whichever team would win, that team got to sleep in the room with the radiator and everybody else had to sleep in the fucking refrigerator. <laughs> so, like, the stakes were real. It wasn't like, wow. oh, I'm just going to kick your ass. It's like, yeah. you want to freeze to death? Because I don't have blankets, right? <laughs> this is my first apartment. I have I have a pillow that's stuffed with straw, and I have a blanket I stole. Yeah, Those are the two things have I have. For, that's what I had for me, right? <laughs> Everybody else, you had to do that thing you do when you go to a friend's house. They don't give you a blanket, and you're like trying to stuff yourself under the couch cushions. 
Oh, and my couch was the one that the guys had brought over because they found it on the side of the road. Love it. And my buddy, whose dad owned a, uh, a cleaning company, he had stolen a, bo- a like a bottle of uh, I forget what it's called disinfectant. It, yeah, it was some kind of like industrial strength solvent cleaner. Yeah, and he had scrubbed the whole couch with it, and it still didn't. You know, it still smelled like Bourbon you know, Street. It, it's, yeah, that's it. Yes, it smelled like whiskey, weed, and hookers, <laughs> and, and not necessarily in that order. And maybe that someone had peed on it several dozen times. So you get to sleep under those couch cushions if you were not good at that game. That 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 is high stakes, my friend. I could see why that was uh, a. Uh, a linchpin as far as your uh, your life goes. I got to tell you, I did not lose often. <laughs> right? Play to win. Y- your boy was poor. That's why I drive the way I do. I do not. <laughs> your boy was poor. Your boy was not a quitter. So what was um, what was uh, lucky number three then? Lucky number. Th- I think there's a draw between lucky number three because I was we were talking about this earlier. Um, I'd say it was either Fallout or The Witcher, and both kind of like have this massive ex- like they do sandbox in a good way yeah a lot of games a lot of triple a games nowadays try to do sandbox and really all they do is just put way too much shit in way too way too little shit into too big of an area but the the witcher you could play i think i've played like 400 hours of it by now i'm not i'm not on if that's accurate i have to go back and check my steam account but i played like 400 hours of that fucking game uh, i play it during zoom calls i play it like when i'm trying to f- not think about the work that i'm avoiding <laughs> right but like it, i never get bored of playing that game yeah and because there's always new shit to do the lore is so expansive I, I could just sit like for three hours and just read through the character lists and it would be s- new stuff that i haven't figured out not only that but then like the uh the the, the books and then the fan fiction and the the reddit sub uh Sub threads. <laughs> sure. I don't know yeah. enough about Reddit except there's a lot of angry people on there. Okay, so uh if if you really had to pick one, what which one do you think ekes out the victory between the two? Because The Witcher was more of a uh, a recent discovery as far as like really playing through the third one for you. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it is. And but I don't I don't want to sleep on it for that reason. I would say Fallout is also not it's not a recent discovery. I'd say it was like the last 5 to 10 years I I got it. Yeah. Um I got it when I finally had a computer that was powerful enough to play it and I was overseas a lot so I, I have some free time. Um if I had to it's really hard to pick one. Cuz the the lore and the lore of the universes is so expansive on both sides. If I had to pick one, I'd probably say I'd go with The Witcher. Because Fallout has, I guess, too many plot points, plot holes for me. Like, like if you play Fallout Four, there's a lot of a lot of the factions. They all want you to do the same thing, but in or even if you go do it, like three factions will tell you to go fuck yourself, and the third fact, the fourth faction's like, we barely know you, but because you did a couple of errands for us, we'll make you our king. Yeah, or you'll go through this like huge fucking uh, mission requirement set, and then once you complete it, they're like, here's a ten percent discount at ye local market. <laughs> you just were fucking, and you're like ten percent, bitch. Give me the fucking Brotherhood of Steel airship, or I'm gonna burn this motherfucker to the ten percent. How about these pants, a hundred percent off because I am king. <laughs> I do it a while. So, uh, as far as uh, my top three, I would say that the greatest video game in my life uh, would have to be uh, Mass Effect. Uh, the oh, that's that's a good pick. Yeah, the the fourth one, uh, Andromenus, uh, kind of kind of the weakest of the set. But as far as like the original Trish, <laughs> the original trilogy, uh, yeah, I I spent countless hours. I even recently went through and replayed them, 
And like that, I think that was one of the first games where I think there was like real consequences to your decisions, you know? Yeah, like real lasting consequences. Yeah, it's like, do you let this colony die or do you do yes. this thing that'll make the thick alien want to bang you a little bit more? Also, yes. <laughs> so I that that was fantastic. And like the the idea of being like, you know, the protagonist hero in, um, in, in, uh, in a solar system setting, like that's very alluring, you know? Now, hold on now. Before you say, I know you say protagonist hero, but I remember we started playing this recently a couple months ago. My daughter was here when COVID started. Yeah, and we we downloaded them because we found out that there's like a way you can get them all for like five bucks a month or something. Yeah, and there was a statistic that you gave me about okay, so when you play Mass Effect, you can either be you can make choices throughout the game, and they're listed as either Paragon, which is good, or Renegade, which is uh, evil, right? Or I guess roguish. It would be a better a better answer. And there's a statistic. Yeah, you're you either me. Tango or you're Cash. Right. So you gave me a statistic about uh, the study that they did about who picks what options and how often. Yeah, they um the, they were uh, fairly split for a lot of them, but there were a few that you're like, yeah, obviously everybody picked that option. I think you said you told me at the time it was like 92 percent of people pick like the Paragon options. Yeah, because like uh, the the idea is that like everybody thinks that you know uh, veterans are so violent and killers, but it's like I don't want to do this choice in a video game because it'll make me feel bad, right? And but <laughs> what is the one thing everybody picked Renegade for? Punching the reporter. Absolutely, there's a reporter. There's a character in that game that's a reporter. Absolute asshole. And she's an absolute bitch. And gotcha she, journalism. It's the worst version of journalism that we won't stand for here at the pop, the, the the smoke pit. Yeah. And every single game, you have the option to sock her in the teeth. Yeah. And if you do it the first two times, and then you try to be nice to her the third time, she gives you, she fills the room full of uppercut. Yeah, she gives you the business. <laughs> She's like, not today. Winner. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's also like other options where you can watch like security feeds and like watch other people from different species give her the business. So I think the the, the lesson we should learn here is that if you punch a reporter once for being a gotcha journalist, and we are not advocating violence against journalists. Yeah, particularly because I've written like 150 articles. Like, don't punch me. Yeah, don't don't go out and punch a journalist. But if you have to punch a journalist for some reason, make it count. Commit. <laughs> don't come back three games later and be like, you know what? Maybe I gave you a raw shake because then you're getting a room full of uppercut. All the uppercuts. How many of them? All of them. All of them. Okay, so Mass Effect is your number one. Yes. Let me hear that sexy number two. It would have to be Overwatch. And the uh, the storyline is almost non-existent. It's fairly shallow. If you want to know anything about the actual storyline, you have to read the lore and like watch the YouTube videos. But the gameplay was so good. There is such a rich cast of diverse characters, beautiful maps, uh, intricate powers and techniques and strategies. And it was exclusively online multiplayer so you were playing with real people against real people there wasn't a story mode that like, sounds like the worst it, it was amazing because like there's a lot of uh, people out there that um they're afraid of competition right and so like the idea oh that's sweet deliciousness uh they're afraid of the idea that they may not be good at something which you can play casual or you can play ranked and like um you could see where you are but also in uh, in accordance with that, their Twitter was also sassy. See, I don't I don't know a whole about a lot about that, but I do remember when you said casual or ranked. Uh, there was a period of time where Dan and I tried to get into League of Legends, 
and it was just it made me very angry all the time. <laughs> it's so angry. It made me so angry. I fucking hated it. Like I'd play the same character that just kicked my ass and do exactly what it was doing, and it would be like superpower winner, and like nobody would die. And I'd be it's like, it's almost like they were more experienced. It was the computer, you twat. But no, so. One of Dan's favorite things to do, and I know you did it on Overwatch. I don't know how you did it because I don't know enough about it, but I know uh, League of Legends, I know you did it on Overwatch, and I've heard you do it on Call of Duty. Somebody will get butt hurt because you're kicking their ass, and they go, uh, if you're going to cheat, you can go fuck yourself. You're like, if you really feel that strongly, go play ranked pussy. <laughs> yeah, especially like when you're just trying to have fun or like unlock an achievement, you know, or like get like you know, whatever this achievement is. And, like, you're not necessarily, like, doing your best in the game. And people will be like, oh, you noob, you suck, I'm going to bang your mom. I'm like, bro, if you're so good, like, go get sponsored, you know? Yeah, like, bro, I'm just trying to get the extra boobage, like, skin that comes from misfortune. Yeah. Like, I'm I, just trying to get the, the fan service skin, you know? Yeah, like, I just want the pretty redheaded uh, pirate. To have like the more alluring top, like <laughs> I, I'm not in it to make money. I'm not ninja. I'm not 19 right. years old making a half a bajillion dollars a fucking week by playing internet games. I have a job. Yeah, so I I remember specifically um, there was one person on Twitter who was adding the Overwatch account, and they're saying how their rank system was flawed, and uh, basically be like, yeah, you know, like I I would be better and I'd have a higher rank. But all my teammates suck, and they replied by saying, "Well, we we uh, make your parties based on comparable skill. So if your teammates suck, well, <laughs> you can go get that room full of uppercuts, sir. You can get wrecked. <laughs> you can correct yourself. Yeah, and so like they just, and then yeah, everybody just starts fucking slam dunking on that on that one individual, and he's like, ah, but but my my stats, and they're like, oh, get wrecked, noob, <laughs> and then you just get laughed off." They just go get good and then point you to Dark Souls. And there was a point in time where I was very good. And this is part of what made it so meaningful to me. Like you get ranked on like six different categories like damage, healing, objective time. Pain uh, size. Yeah, exactly. Like killing and stuff like that. And I would always play with, with D.Va, which was this giant tank in a mech suit, right? And I got so good at this that I would get like five or six of the possible six gold medals every time. Now, is that because the peen size category rated on girth? No, it was mainly because I would sandbag the ranking structure, so that way <laughs> I would get put in a division below my skill, and I would just dominate. Talk about a medium-sized fish in a pond. <laughs> so so you were scamming the system. More or less, yeah. So the, the ancient Marine Corps proverb, you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Yeah, like there, there, it was like... Uh, <laughs> Like, imagine you, you get off a, a hard day of work, right? You know, like your boss was being a dick, like you're having whatever kind of personal life troubles, and you just want to sit down and enjoy a video game, but you keep on getting spawn killed by a 12-year-old Korean. <laughs> I just want to enjoy the game, you know? <laughs> like, you know, there, there was a thing, I, I occasionally go on Pop Smoke's Facebook page, where I, when I, whenever I remember that Facebook still exists, and I forget how good the quality of the content is on there. And so I saw this thing you had posted earlier, and it was like uh, it was a uh, request for emergency leave, and whoever, whatever officer, I think it was like the XO had signed it, and it was like they they disapproved or uh, they what? denied it. They yeah, they denied the leave because they were like or not recommended it. Yeah, they that's the word I was looking for. They non wrecked the the emergency leave because they were like 
yeah, there's no proof that your terminally ill grandfather is going to die other than your word for it. Yeah, it was like the comments was just like, there's no proof that his family needs him other than his word. Requests uh, non-recommended. We'll give you $5 million worth of gear in other people's lives, but we won't trust your word that your grandfather is dying. Which you probably got from a Red Cross message. Right. That's the kind of day you're having when you come home and you say, you know what? I'm going to figure out how to sandbag the stats so I can take (laughs) Diva and get all six medals and fuck over some 12-year-old kid to foreign country. (laughs) Or just be that like vision of terror for that other person who's had a bad day. And I just come blazing in with my jetpack and just double flat guns to the face and fly off. Can you imagine if that was Brandon? Let me hear that numero trace. Okay. Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, the original Modern Warfare, when they switched over from World War II to current guns. The one where uh, you're in Iraq and you get nuked and you die. Yes. And they make you crawl just to believe you might survive. Yes. And you can't survive, so it's a fucking exercise in futility, which is just bringing us closer to the inevitable entropy of death. That one. Fuck you. The very same. <laughs> Fuck you for dragging that emotion back into my life. And see, like, all all these young bloods on, uh, on social media always sleep on that, and they're like, yeah, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 was the best. Not nah, bullshit. And I'll tell you why this one was the best. One, it was absolutely revolutionary for its time. Like, they went from uh, Call of Duty 3, which was like a World War II, to Modern Warfare, and it starred Marines. Not some vague, obscure Special Forces unit where everybody has their cool guy patches and sleeveless vests and 5 o'clock shadows and random weird backstory. Like, oh, yes, this is your Ocean's Eleven style crew that you assembled. Like, you son of a bitch, I'm in. No, like, it was an actual (laughs) platoon of Marines that you were taking through a city, and right when you thought... That like you had everything like fucking good, a fucking nuke goes off and everyone dies and you have to like fucking crawl and you die from radiation exposure. Yeah, you're in a helo, right? You're getting the fuck you are in your extraction vehicle getting the fuck out of there. You watch the mushroom cloud go off, the fucking helo crashes, and for some reason you survive the initial explosion and the helo crash. You're sitting there dragging the bloody stumps of your fucked up legs through the fucking streets of Ramadi. And you're like, if I can just crawl a little further. No, you're fucking dead. It was like the end of Halo Fall of Reach, right? Oh, it's so sad. Where, like, you know at the beginning of the game, you know everyone dies. And still, the end scene where they're like, the, the final objective, survive. And you're just sitting there trying to fucking kill all these fucking aliens. And nope, your ass still gets glassed. Yeah, and so and it's not, and it's not just that. Like they had the iconic sniper level where you had to like hide in like with the ghillie suit while like patrols walked by you. They had that. They also had fucking fuck him General Shepard, the guy who like fucking pulls the Uno reverse card and like fucking smokes your homeboy and shoots you. Yep. Like I remember RIP soap. Yeah, I remember playing the very last uh, level, and so, like, dude fucking, uh, like, shoots my homie. He was a staff sergeant who was carrying a machine gun. Because at this point, now you had your eclectic fucking uh, A-team, fucking special forces team or whatever. But he shoots your homeboy who's, like, a staff sergeant that's carrying a saw, and he smokes you. But then the staff sergeant fucking slides a pistol over to you, and you pick it up, and it's, like, one of those, like, slow-down fucking things, and you finally get to shoot him to, like, avenge your homeboys. One of the most cathartic moments in any video game ever. It was amazing. And then, like, the multiplayer, fucking phenomenal. And it had martyrdom, where when you got fucking killed, you could drop a grenade. So when people would come over and try to teabag you, and I'm bouncing up and down in my chair right now. He really is, folks. When they come over and try to teabag you, they get a fucking bunch of shrapnel to their nutsack. Like, glorious. (laughs) 
and for a time, and for its time, absolutely changed the game. There would be no uh, Black Ops or Modern Warfare, the current one, or anything like that. No Warzone if it wasn't for the original Call of Duty Four Modern Warfare. And if they would have gone back to that for Advanced Warfare instead of spending all that money on vo- fucking uh, mocap, yeah, and celebrity endorsements. Bru- n- n- I, I gotta tell you, like there was a lot of a lot of Call of Duties I didn't buy before that because I was like, I only had limited space in the laptop I could carry. Yeah. But they were like, okay, we're going to make the villain is obviously going to be Kevin Spacey. Like, they made him seem like a good guy, but you're like, nah. For like half a heartbeat. He's. It's like when you watch Law & Order and you're watching the opening credits and the most famous guest star you know is the fucking murderer. Yeah. Right? They, like, you see this guy and you're like, they spent all that money to put Kevin Spacey in that. He's definitely going to end up being the bad guy. A thousand percent. Kind of like uh, Martin Sheen uh, with uh, the elusive man in Mass Effect. Yeah, you're like, there's no way they paid for Martin Sheen. Yeah, you're and not going to have the president of the United States from West Wing as one of the main characters and have him not be a dick at some point. Right. And they even they didn't even set him up to be a good guy to begin with. They're like, he's kind of like the head of the space Nazis. Hey, you remember that one organization that was like really xenophobic and kind of a huge pain in your ass the first game? Well, actually, that dude saved you and now he's your boss in the second game. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is where I am now. Like, all right, well, let's fucking do this. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. And then they give you all this expensive shit and you're like, you can't buy my loyalty, you piece of shit. Yeah, and then like you slowly start turning his lieutenants against him, and it's just sweet, sweet up incumbents. But my th- my thing with advanced warfare was they they would give you like like the grappling hook, right? You got a fucking exosuit and a jetpack and a grappling hook. You get to use each one once, just long enough to get good at it, like at the end of the level, and then you never see the fucking thing again. Yeah, because like uh, I, I will say honorable mention, and I'm extremely confident you'll agree with me on this: Titanfall. Fantastic game. I would rate Titanfall personally. I would rate Titanfall enjoyment level over Call of Duty. Well, just for me, as far as that, like that one, that one Call of Duty, yeah. I'm 100 percent on board. Call of Duty as a general like series. Yeah, I agree with you. I Titanfall. Well, Titanfall two. Yeah, because Titanfall one was good, but Titanfall two. Oh my god. Titanfall two fucking crushed it. It was. Oh my god. It's like I, a lap dance in your eyes. The, the, the I only have one gripe with the main storyline, and I liked the main storyline a lot, is that they pulled the, oh my god, your mech who you're now emotionally attached to is going to die twice. Yeah, yeah like, you can only pull that rabbit out of the hat once. Right. And it, it, was, it was too close together. That's my only gripe. For the rest of it, loved it. You have the fucking buddy cop thing where you got the one guy who's like the... The pilot's kind of like, Haha, I'm going to tell stupid jokes because it's the only thing that keeps me from thinking about the crushing soul, uh, <laughs> the soul crushing uh, reality, reality of my situation. Of, right, of, of my fucking own mortality. And then the robot's just like, doesn't get the joke and that's why it's funny. Yeah. Like that, that shtick was funny to me. And then you play multiplayer. Multiplayer was like intense because you get to play as the pilot or you get to play as the pilot in the mech. And then sometimes it would be both. Right. My my thing on multiplayer is that I would fucking crush that first level so I could buy lots of fucking uh, trick batteries, yeah, like nuke batteries, and then they had this thing called rodeo where you could use so a good. you could use a hook shot. So you're running on a wall, right? You hook shot the enemy titan. You fly over there. You yank its battery out. You slap this battery that's been sabotaging it. Yeah, and then you jetpack 300 feet in the air and watch it fucking self destruct. 
And I would just do that. And but when I was coming down, I'd land on another one and do it again. And then it'd blow me up at the end. Then I'd land on another one, do it again, blow me up in the air. Dude, I remember like you would be playing that game and like I'd I'd come into like the, the living room and you'd be like, Oh yeah, look at my score versus look at the next guy's score and it would just be like you'd like triple their points. Yeah, I was fucking I was as good at that game as you are now on Call of Duty. Like I was fucking crushing yeah, I, people. I don't want to brag, but I've I've I found my niche on the most recent Call of Duty. But nothing will ever beat our buddy Brandon that we were talking about. He would usually, whenever he'd play like team deathmatch, he'd go like like twenty six and three, right? Which is very respectable. Like this right. is a very solid KD ratio. Anything over a one KD ratio, kill to death ratio, is respectable. Yeah. So like he would be like. Like a seven point whatever, like usually on most games, like seven or eight uh, KD ratio. And I remember one time um, he was uh, checking in on his boots and they were playing Call of Duty, which this is right after I think the the commandant was like, yeah, it's cool if Marines play Call of Duty because it's kind of like training, you know, like yeah, particularly like, you know, the idea of like taking down targets, making decisions, room clearing, knowing where, you know, the, the enemy could be in a three-dimensional battle space, like it's fine. And I know anybody who had a horseshoe fucking haircut or a high and tight, their nose started bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you had a gunny patch, you immediately had a brain aneurysm. Yeah, so like he went into his boots and they're like, oh, sorry, what you know about this new uh, Call of Duty, like with your old ass, which, you know, anybody over 25 in the Marine Corps is the old man. Yeah. And so old man like, PFT is 27. Yeah, exactly. The Marine Corps, the most stingy organization in the government, gives you a curve on your physical fitness test if you're the, over the age of 27 because they accept the fact that you're old and busted. Old and busted. You bow-legged bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Waddle them three miles, you bow-legged bitch. <laughs> Yeah, we'll give you an extra three minutes to finish and not be a turd. And so, like, I, I didn't find about this until after the fact. So my perception of this is I was walking across the quad from India Company to Kilo Company side of the barracks, and I spotted him coming out of a room, and he had this, like, Cheshire cat smile. And I was like, what's Brandon up to? And so I'm like, sorry, Harper, what's up? And he's like, raw devil, let me tell you about this. <laughs> and so he's like, yo, dude. I went in there, and they're like, what you know about this, Sergeant? And he's like, yo, boot, give me the sticks. And once when somebody says, give me the sticks, <laughs> you know they've seen some shit. Like, it's over, right? And so he went 35 and 1. Jesus. And his boots are like, are you fucking kidding me? And so, and this is the, one of the coolest shit ever that he said. And this was the same guy who had the first man's name he ever killed tattooed on his forearm. Like, this dude was solid for one-liners. Like, Intensity. Yeah, and that's a previous episode, so go back and listen to that. But, yeah, he came out and he's like, yeah, I went 35-1. and one. And I was like, ah, that was all right. And they're like, Sarn, you went 35-1. and one. He's like, yeah, but I died one time. Like, if I died one time when I was in Iraq, I wouldn't be here to haze you boots. And then he gave him the controller back and walked out. And they're like, ah! <laughs> and I'm like, bro, that's still really good. He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> he's it's like, like, that's the best game I ever played. I just like, had to walk out of there cool. Exactly. Like George Costanza, leave him on a high note. <laughs> yep, that's what it is. You, gotta, you can't look at the explosion while you're walking away from it. And that's what we're going to do with this episode. So bye. 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 <laughs>